Hey, welcome to the Impact Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you like it was to us. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Exodus chapter 3. Let's go on, Jesus. All right. Here we go. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire from the midst of a bush. And so, uh, sorry. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush burns why the bush does not burn. So then the Lord saw that he turned aside and God called to him in the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near to this place. Take off your, take your sandals off your feet for the place you're standing is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Amen. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Aren't you glad you serve a God who knows your sorrows? He knows when you rise up. He knows when you sit down. He knows when you've got a company of friends all around you. And he knows when you've been abandoned and left alone. He knows when you're in, when you're out, when you're up and down in the city and the field. God knows my sorrows. And God said, so I have come down. Not only does God know, you know, God will come down from his throne to come into your situation. I don't know about you, but I am so glad that God came into my situation. On April 2nd of 1998, I was a broke, busted, and disgusted young man so far down, I had to look up to see the bottom. But Jesus Christ stepped off of his throne and entered it in my heart. Amen. Because he knew my sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptian and to bring them up from their land, from the land to a good and a large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, and all the other Perizzites. And now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression by which the Egyptians oppressed them. And here's our theme tonight. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Amen. Tonight I want to talk to you about the subject of God said, I will send you. Amen. He said, I will send you. Praise the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house tonight. God gathered together with brothers and sisters of precious faith, God. Lord, we recognize your sovereignty tonight. We recognize your holiness, and we recognize our insufficiencies and inadequacies, God. But, Lord, we thank you that it's not done by flesh and blood, that it's not done by our might or by our power, but it is done, done, Lord, by the Spirit of an almighty God. So, Lord, I ask right now that your Spirit take preeminence in this house tonight, God. Let lives be changed. Let bodies be healed. Let the captive be set free. God, let your word, which is you, Jesus Christ, to take center stage tonight. Everything 
thing has led to this moment. So God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you be lifted up. And as we do our best to lift you up by the preaching of this word, God, we pray the Holy Spirit will begin to work in the hearts of every young man and woman of God in this house tonight. God, begin to draw them as you are lifted up. God, draw them to repentance. God, draw them to a deeper relationship with you. Draw them to closer communion with you, God. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory that every word that is sown will be multiplied, that it will bring forth much fruit in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. Amen. God said, come now. I will send you. Now, everybody remembers last week when Caleb was preaching about how Moses had his face covered and when in actuality he should have had uh, taken the veil off of his face and exposed himself uh, to the world because the world needed to see the glory that God, I mean, that's a, a gross par- that's a gross paraphrase of what our brother preached last week. How many of y'all love that message last week that Caleb preached? Amen. It was phenomenal. You can give him a hand. Go ahead. Praise the Lord. It was great. Hallelujah. The Lord began to deal with me as I sat there on the front row, and, and I, I began to think about how Exodus chapter 3 tells the encounter that Moses had with the Lord that when his very first encounter with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Bible says, he hid his face from him. This is the account of Moses' very first interaction with the Lord. And I want to spend some time talking about the call of Moses tonight and how God desires to call you. And and I'm going to do this in a very expository way tonight. I'm just kind of reading through the Bible here, going, starting at verse one, and we're going, going to go on with Jesus until I run out of time. That's just how I feel led to do it tonight. And so that's what we're going to do. Now, the Bible says, before we get to verse 1, and you already know it's going to be a long sermon if, I, if I'm starting the expository message before our actual text tonight. But I do want to go back a verse and talk about, or really a couple, a couple of chapters, and talk about the story of Moses. Now, Moses was born to two Hebrew parents. Moses was a Hebrew. We oftentimes associate him with the prince of Egypt because you'll recall in the Bible that, that Pharaoh had instructed all the midwives of Egypt that when the babies were born under the age of two because they felt like the Hebrew nation was getting too large and getting too domineering over Egypt. And so Pharaoh instructed all the midwives of Egypt that when they deliver Hebrew babies to take them out to the Nile River, submerge them in the river and drown them and end their life. And Moses, his mother, felt the hand of God upon his, his son, her son. And so the Bible says she made a, an ark, a basket, if you will, out of bulrush and pitch. And she put the baby in the ark and floated him down the river. And long story short the perfect timing of God would have it the Pharaoh's daughter came out to take a bath in the Nile River just about that time God said a little alligator to swim by the tail bumped the basket the basket went right on over to Pharaoh's daughter Pharaoh heard the old baby crying and said oh isn't he cute she raised him up in the house of God underneath amen underneath all the Egypt had to offer the splendor in fact he became a prince of Egypt amen and so I guess the first point I want to make about this is listen the enemy understands your potential. The the enemy understands your purpose. And this is not a new tactic by the enemy. The the enemy did it. The devil did this back in Exodus when he recognized that the people of Israel had potential, that these were God's people, that God had his hand upon these people, and he tried at that moment to snuff them out and put them in 400 years of slavery. He tried it again when the prophecy was coming uh, coming true that the Messiah was born in Bethlehem. Amen. You all know the story that Herod had every 
every child under the age of two killed. So he was working overtime, that devil was, to try to stop the plan and the purpose of God. And don't think for one moment that your generation is any different. Amen. Why do you think abortion is an all-time high? And there's a political agenda out there to normalize that and make that sound like it's okay and it's legal. That is nothing more than the spirit of Herod all over again. That is nothing more than the spirit of Pharaoh all over again, recognizing that there's potential in the generation to come. And as many lives that I could snuff out, as many of that next generation as I could keep from rising up and taking their place in God, I'm going to do it. Amen. But the Bible says in both, count, in both encounters that God made sure that Pharaoh, that, that Moses survived that thing. Moses' name meant the deliverer of God's people. Amen. That God raised up somebody to deliver his people out of bondage and he was he was sure to do it and the same thing with Jesus Jesus and, and Moses the Bible talks about those uh, those are types and shadows of one another amen Moses was the deliverer of the children of Israel to bring Egypt to bring the children of Israel out of bondage and likewise Jesus was the deliverer to bring you and I mankind human out of the bondage of sin what is a commonplace what is a type and shadow of Egypt so the first thing the enemy tries to do is to kill you and take you out. Amen. But if he can't kill you and take you out, he'll put you right there in the middle of Egypt. Amen. That's the next plan of the enemy. If he can't kill you, if he can't take you out, if he can't get you so messed up as a child before you can start making choices of your own. Amen. How many of y'all have had a rough childhood? My hand's up first. Amen. Amen. The devil tries everything to take you out at a young age, but when he realizes he can't take you out, then he's going to try to get you right back there, right there in the middle of Egypt. The intention of Pharaoh was to kill out Moses, but he couldn't kill Moses because the hand of God was upon Moses. So what happened? He ended up right there in the middle of Egypt, a prince of Egypt, right there in the middle of this world, in the middle of all the splendor and glory of a prince of Egypt. And the Bible says that one day, Moses, after being a grown man, he's walking through the slave quarters and he sees a Hebrew beating, being beat by an Egyptian soldier. And he rises up with righteous indignation because he recognizes that he is a Hebrew. And that's no accident because if you go back and read the story, the Bible says that God created a way where Moses' mother was able to be his nursing mother. Amen. He was able to be, she was, although she had to give up her son, God found a way to bring her back into Pharaoh's household and she was able to raise her boy. Amen. No one knew that it was his daughter, her son, but she raised him in that way. That's how God works. Bless the Lord. Amen. But the Bible says that, 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 that Moses, I, I'm sure he knew that he was a Hebrew. I'm sure that as he was being raised by his mother, she told him about Abraham, their forefather, about the father of many nations. I'm sure she told him about Isaac and I'm sure she told him about Jacob. And so Ab uh, Moses grew up understanding that he was a Hebrew. When he, saw the, when he saw the conflict, when he saw the trouble that the children of Israel were going through, the Bible says he rose up with indignation. He slayed the Egyptian, buried him in the sand, and he basically fled for his life. He ran from Egypt. We pick up in our text here, 40 years after he fled from rising up and realizing that I can no longer identify with Egypt. I can no longer identify with the things of this world. Egypt is a type and a shadow of this world. The Bible says 40 years later, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the backside of the desert, even to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And an angel of the Lord appeared unto Moses. This was 40 years, 40 years after Moses had made up his mind that, listen, I may be a prince of Egypt. 
40 years after he made up his mind that I might be very familiar with the Egyptian way of living. 40 years after living like the world, he decided and he made up his mind at that moment he was going to separate himself from the people of Egypt. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, Now Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin that were for but a season. Amen. Moses made a decision at that moment. I am going to choose to suffer with God's people than to enjoy the pleasures of this sin for one more moment, for one more life. I am going to suffer and identify with the persecution of the people of God more than I'm going to suffer, uh, more than I'm going to enjoy the pleasures of sin, but for a season. Listen, you and I have got to get to a place in our life that although we may have all the benefits that Egypt has to offer, although we may have all the entertainment that Egypt has to offer, as a young generation you have more movies, more music, more filth, more smut available to you. You can make the choice to be right here in the middle of church saying that you're one of God's people but identify as a citizen of Egypt but until you and I make up our minds that we are no longer going to identify with Egypt or its way of living, and we separate ourselves from the world, we will never have a burning bush experience with God like Moses did. So the first thing you got to understand, if God's going to use you, and if God's going to use me to go out there to the highways and the byways, because just like back there in Exodus chapter 3, God saw the affliction of the people of God. He saw how Pharaoh, the taskmaster, was oppressing them and was weighing down on them. Make no mistake that God's up in heaven right now, and he understands the burden that the enemy is putting on your generation. He understands the weight that they're bearing down. That's why God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He sent a modern day Moses in the form of Jesus Christ, the Messiah of the world. That's why when Jesus Christ was dead, buried, and resurrected just some 50 days later he found himself on the Mount of Transfiguration. And guess who was standing there right next to Jesus? It was Elijah and Moses. Amen said, listen, God used me back in the Old Testament to deliver his people, but you are the son of the God. You are the perfect one. You are the Messiah. And it was a moment on the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus rose up and said that he is the deliverer. And just a few days later, Holy Ghost fell down and Acts chapter 2 moved in on the inside of us and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as it were a mighty rushing wind and the Holy Ghost of God set down on each one of us. We had Jesus Christ at that moment, the deliverer of the world and Jesus is calling you and I just like he told Moses, come now I will send you. God says I've seen the addiction of your generation. I've seen the oppression of your generation. I've seen the anxiety. I've seen the depression. I've seen the lie of the enemy and I need somebody that will raise up in these last days and go to my people and say Satan listen to me I rebuke you in the name of Jesus and that word rebuke means stop it that's enough when Moses marched himself up to the palace of Pharaoh he said listen God said let my people go I to God, some modern day Moseses would rise up and impact youth ministries and say, I'm done playing play dates and patty cake. I want to have some prayer meetings and Holy Ghost move of God so I can go out there and be equipped to do the work of God. Listen, Moses would have never got the call of God in his life had he not separated him. Moses chose rather to suffer affliction. Notice who made that choice. It wasn't the Holy Ghost. Listen to me. It wasn't God coming down from the cross 
It wasn't him removing himself from the throne and saying, I'm going to make you serve me. I'm going to make you make better entertainment choices. I'm going to make you make better friend choices. I'm going to make you have better attitude choices. I'm going to make you just make, I'm going to make you serve me whether you want to or not. No, the Bible says that Moses chose. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what it's going to take for you. It's going to take a fixed heart and a made up mind that says, I'm going to serve God. If mama don't go, I'm going to go anyway. If daddy won't go, I'm going to go anyway. And yes, you know what I'm about to say. If boyfriend won't go, I'm going to kick the joker to the curb and go on with Jesus anyway. Hallelujah. As for me and my house, I will honor God. You've got to make up your mind that Moses chose rather to suffer. Listen to me. Moses chose rather to suffer. I'm not standing up here preaching at you, telling you that if you make a choice to serve and honor God, that you're not going to go through troubles, you're not going to go through trials, and you're not going to go through tribulation. Listen, I made up my mind at a very young man, 1998, however old I was, 14 years old, I think. That's how old I was. Amen. I made up my mind. Maybe I was younger. I don't know. I was younger than I am now. I made up my mind at that moment that I was going to go along with Jesus. You know what that meant for me, Isaac? That meant sometimes I didn't get to go. It's unfortunate. Sometimes I didn't get the invite. They didn't have text messages back there. We had no key of phones. We actually picked up the phone. We did this thing where we actually dialed phone numbers. We pushed the green button, and like it rang, and people answered and said, Hello? Like, hey, but listen, we didn't do it before 7 o'clock because the weekends and night minutes. You guys know anything about minutes? All right. Yeah. See, back in the day, you got charged by the minutes. They didn't even have data plans. Amen. You had to call your friends. And, so, and you got free minutes after like 9 o'clock. And if you were a sprint, you got free minutes after 7 p.m. So everybody went with sprint because we wanted our free minutes after 7 o'clock. But, amen, we'd call people. Sometimes that meant I didn't get the invite. Sometimes I didn't get the phone call. Sometimes I didn't get to go watch the latest Avengers movie. Sometimes I didn't get to hang out with the friends or the crew or the whoever. Because I made a choice. Listen to what I just said to you. I said I made a choice. You are going to have to make a choice. I can't make it for you. Pastor Tom can't make it for you. Mama can't make it for you. Daddy can't make it for you. Youth leader can't make it for you. Miss Bates can't make it for you. None of your teachers in school can make it for you. There's not a single person on this planet that can make that decision for you. But you have to make up your mind just like Moses. Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. Moses chose. He made a point to recognize and understand that if I go down this path to serve and honor God with my life, I'm may have to go through a season of loneliness. I may have to go through a season of isolation. For 40 years, Moses was on the backside of the desert because he made up his mind that he was not going to identify. I'm not sleeping with her one more time. I'm not going to that website one more time. I won't spend one more evening walling around in the filth of this world. You won't catch me gossiping one more time. You won't catch me bad-mouthing somebody one more time. You won't catch me one time because I am making a choice to identify with the people of God and yes I recognize I may be alone and yes I recognize I may be without support and yes I recognize that I might not have all the pleasures that are but for a season but one thing is so certain that I'm going to have an encounter with God for 40 years Moses was on the backside of that desert all alone 
unaffiliated with the things he was most comfortable with. Unaffiliated. And listen, we're in a youth service. If we were in an adult service, maybe the Holy Ghost would make me say something different. But since we're in a youth service, I'm going to say the same things every single week to you. Because if you think for one minute, I don't think and I don't know that the devil's not breathing down your neck and trying to get you to do all the things that I, you know, that's why the devil wars my mind so much. Dad, don't say it again. Don't go there again. Listen, I'm going to go there every single time because every time the devil tells me not to, I know that's confirmation that somebody needs to hear. So, yes, I'm going to talk about your music choices. Yes, I'm going to talk about your entertainment choices. Yes, I'm going to talk about your friendships. Yes, I'm going to talk about your extramarital activities outside of the covenant of marriage. Yes, I'm going to talk about those things. Why? Because I know the devil's working overtime to use those things to do nothing more than to keep you in bondage, to keep an entire generation from rising up and saying, I will now turn aside and go see this bush while it's burning and not consumed. Listen, God was doing something. God was doing something out there in that desert. God wasn't doing something right there in the middle of Goshen. If you think for one moment God's going to pour his Holy Ghost out on you and shake you silly, living the way you're living, acting the way you're living that's not going to work but amen you've got to make up your mind to separate yourself from the things of this world find yourself alone and isolated on the backside of the desert and then God amen the Bible says Moses was back here on the backside of the desert this bush begins to burn the sign of God God was in operation at this moment listen to the dialogue that Moses has with himself at this moment. Moses said to himself, nobody was around. Remember, he's alone. Sometimes serving God makes you alone. Don't forget that. Come on, some of y'all, I, I just feel in my spirit, some of y'all have cried yourself to sleep because you didn't get the invite. Some of you have cried yourself to sleep because you got pushed out. Child of God, you ought to leap and jump for joy. <laughs> Blessed be the name of the Lord. He done rescued you from certain calamity and certain destruction. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible says that the bush was burning. And Moses said to himself, listen to this, Tori. He said to himself, because no one else was there to talk to him. Everybody say, poor Moses. Moses said to himself, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is burning, yet it is not consumed. And I love the next part of this, and I preached it before, but I'm going to preach it again. The Bible says, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God spoke. Amen. God spoke. It wasn't until Moses separated himself with the things and systems of this world, found himself isolated and alone with God for a season of growth and a season of maturity, that when God recognized that Moses was willing to turn aside, and when God realized that Moses was more interested in what God was doing than what was going on back there in Pharaoh's palace, bless God, somebody needs to hear what I just said. When God gets to a point when he recognizes that you are more interested in what the preacher's saying right now than what you're going to do after service, God might actually speak to you. When you realize, when God realizes that you're more interested in the things of God than you are Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Be Real, any of that other garbage, filthy mess sometimes. It could be good, but bless God, most of the time it's not because y'all need help. I said, y'all, I'm not everybody, we all need help. I need help, Jesus. We all, we all need help. But until God recognizes and sees that you are more interested in what's going on and what God's trying to do, don't expect God to speak to you 
Everybody running around saying, well, I'm not serving God because I don't have, I don't have God like Brother Jonah has God. Or I'm not serving God because I just don't have that. I don't have what Tory's got. I, I, I can't do what so-and-so does because I'm not like so-and-so and, and God just hasn't spoke to me that way and, and that's not the relationship. Listen, when you make up your mind to separate yourself from the world and you identify that you are more interested in the things of God than you are the things of this world, you have created an environment where God might actually speak to you. So if you walk around as a teenager and say, well, God speaks to everybody else, but he doesn't speak to me, I would pray this prayer. Search my heart, oh God, and Try me and see if there be any wicked way within me. And then God, lead me to the way everlasting. Because when God recognizes that you and I are willing to turn aside from our plans and our agenda and what we've planned out for our future. I'm sure Moses had a plan. I'm sure he had himself a fine Egyptian mama picked out and everything. I'm sure Moses had all the glitter and glitz. What's it called? Riz? I'm sure he had the riz. I'm sure he had identified some sweetie pie, some sugar mama, somebody in Egypt. He had planned the wedding. She probably did. Us guys don't really care much about that stuff. Newsflash, ladies. Listen, I'm sure Moses had some plans. I'm sure Moses had decided he was going to be a stoic prince of Egypt. He was going to build a pyramid. And name it after him. He was going to enter into the chariot Olympics and be an athlete of Egypt. I'm sure, I'm sure man had plans to be the all-time leading scorer of Egypt and pass Kareem Abdul Pharaoh. Listen, I'm sure Moses had plans. And listen, just because you have plans doesn't make you evil. Doesn't make you bad. Doesn't mean you're going to split hell wide open. But here's what it does mean. If those plans don't take a back seat the moment the Lord tries to interrupt them, friend, you've got a problem in your heart. You've got a problem in your heart. If God comes to you and convicts you and you're in the middle of a... I'm just going to turn around and talk to the wall for a minute because I have to sometimes because I get myself in trouble. I make contact with people and the people think I'm talking bad about them. And then it just goes downhill from there. Listen, if you're in the middle of a relationship with somebody... And you've got plans to be with them, to do all this, but God desires to do something in your life. And what God desires to do in your life, there's something on the inside of you that says God can't do what he wants to do in my life till that relationship gets fixed because we're doing things inside that relationship that are inappropriate, that are not inside the boundaries of the scripture and the boundaries of God. And I can't reconcile the fact that God wants to use me. And if you're not willing to get that relationship out of your life so God can do what he wants to do in your life, friend, you have done picture God. You have decided your future and it's that boy and it's that girl. And then don't complain 25 years from now because God used everybody else but you. Listen to me. Moses chose, made up his mind at that moment. None of it's worth it. It's okay to have your plan. It's okay to have your college picked out. 
It's okay to have your job decided. It's okay to have all of these wonderful things. That does not make you evil. But when God shows up and you have your burning bush experience because you made up your mind, when God shows up, if every ounce of what you have planned, every ounce of what you have decided to do isn't, if you're not willing to pick up that toilet seat and flush it down the toilet, if you're not willing to open up that window and kick it out the window, if you're not willing to throw that thing in the garbage and say, listen, it was fun to dream, but God's got bigger plans. He's got greater plans. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ever ask or even think until you get to the point where you say, God, not my will, but thy will be done. When Mary was told that she was going to have Jesus, listen, that girl had her plans, and it most certainly wasn't to be a pregnant woman outside of marriage in the middle of ancient Israel because that's recipe for a stoning. I don't think anybody would sign up for that. Amen? I mean, nowadays it's cool. They make a TV show called Teen Mom out of it. But back then you got stoned for that mess. Listen, Mary walking around 14 years old, engaged, but ain't married. People be looking at Joseph saying, bro, stoning pit's coming your way. But you know what she said when that angel appeared to her? Her burning bush experience. You know what Joseph said when the angel appeared to him? His burning bush experience. And God said, listen, I know your plans. I know your agenda. But will you allow me to interrupt what you're trying to do? I want to do something to you. Come now. I'm going to birth the city the world through you. Come now. I'm going to send you back to Egypt. Come now. I'm going to have you evangelize and win your school for God. Come now. I'm going to have you be a man of God in the middle of your basketball team. Come now. I'm going to have you do something great and glorious in your generation. You know what Mary said? Be it unto me according to thy will. That's what you and I got to get to. A point in our lives. We're like, God, be it unto me according to thy will. Hallelujah. Although Moses was a type and shadow of Jesus, he wasn't Jesus. He was still a man. So when he had his burning bush experience in Eden, God said, I need you to come up a little higher. I've got a higher calling for you. I've got something more from this, than just this. Listen, I believe God's got something more for every teenager in this room. More than just your everyday TikTok usage and Instagram usage. Listen, I'm not preaching those things in the gutter. I'm just saying if you're in the gutter, that's what you... Listen, social media is amoral. Everybody say amoral. Money is amoral. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil, not money. It's the love of money. Money is amoral. That means it does not have morality. Money is neither good nor bad. But if I take a billion dollars and I put it in the hands of Hitler, he's going to do some evil with it because he was evil. If I take that same billion dollars and put it in the hands of Mother Teresa, she's going to do some good with it. The same million dollars because she was good. Likewise, your social media, everybody say my TikTok is amoral. My Instagram, oh, I hit a bone. I hit a nerve. Instagram is amoral. I won't even touch Facebook because you all don't want to mess around with that mess. I know, I know. Listen, my social media is amoral. You, your social media, listen to me, your social media profile will take on your morality. It will. It'll take on your morality. So if you want to know where you stand with the Lord, go back and take a look at your history. 
If you want to know where you're standing with the Lord, when you hit that reel button and those same reels with the same type of content keep coming back that aren't God, that aren't honifying the Lord, listen, that profile, that feed has taken on your morality. That thing's not evil. Amen. So Moses was not Jesus. He was a type and shadow of a greater thing to come, the Bible says. But even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said, Lord, if it's possible for this thing to pass from me, please let it. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Because Jesus was all man, yet he was all God. And he still struggled with the high calling that God had on his life. Moses certainly did. Verse 11, who am I? Why are you calling me? Why do you want me to do this? Moses suffered with an identity crisis. Listen, Moses said, who am I? He suffered with his identity. He didn't know who he was. He didn't know who he was in God. And because he wasn't settled on his own identity and who he was in the eyes of God, he felt incapable and unqualified to do the thing that God was calling him to do. It's about time that you get an understanding, woman of God, who you are in the eyes of God. You are not just a piece of meat. You are not a used car. You are not anything else than the apple of God's eye. You are a virtuous woman of God, child of God, man of God. Listen to me. You are not just some joker who tells dirty jokes and does what he wants. You are a mighty man of valor. That is how God sees you, and he wants to call you up to a higher place. Listen, it's time that we get over that identity crisis. This world has, I'm sure when Moses floated down the floated down the river, ended up in Pharaoh's house, I'm sure Pharaoh's daughter chose a nice, a nice Egyptian name for, for Moses. But amen, Moses was still named Moses. That's who, he, that's who he was named after. He was named as the deliverer. It doesn't care what, it doesn't matter what label the world puts on you, what label the world tries to slap on you. It may say you come from a split family, so you're incapable. It may say your grandpa not a preacher but an alcoholic your mom that your grandmother's not a prophetess but a prostitute amen it doesn't matter what label you the world tries to put on you that when you become identified with Christ you take on a new identity when Shadrach Meshach and Abednego got sent off to Babylon that old evil emperor tried to change their names because he wanted them to no longer identify with who they were as people of God don't think for one moment the enemy's not trying to change your identity young people don't think for one moment he's not using everything he can in your life to change who you are but you need to know who you are in Jesus Christ. Moses said, who am I? Who am I? The next thing Moses said, and I know I've got to hurry. Who are you? Oh, what a travesty. Who are you? God settled that. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No other explanation was provided by God at that moment. Did you know that? Go back and read it. Hebrews chapter 3, or Exodus chapter 3. God used no other adjectives. Till later, he said, I am who I am. But he identified himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And think about this, and I'm going to close because I don't have time to finish this. Moses, remember, was raised by his own mother in Pharaoh's house. She told him all about the Hebrew culture. Although he was in this world, she told him the stories of their forefather, Abraham, and his son, Isaac. Jacob and Jacob's 12 sons. I'm sure 400 years of history went by and she told them all about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so when God, when God identified himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there was no question who he was. 
Let me ask you this question. I've asked it before, but it's a thought. I need everyone to pay attention to me now. Listen. What if God were to show up to your friends and say, I'm the God of Isaac Putoff? Would your friends know? What if God was to show up in your friend group and say, I'm the God of insert your name? What if this youth ministry was known all throughout this church and all throughout this community? I'm the God of the students of impact. Would this community know of that God? They may have never talked to him. They may have never fellowshiped with him. Their only exposure to him is through their interactions with you. Would they know who this God is? That's what God's calling you to. He's calling you, he's calling you to come up saying, listen, I'm going to send you. Moses used so many other excuses. He said, God, what if they don't listen? He decided that he was insufficient for the task. I'm not a man of good speech. God, surely, oh, how many of y'all have done that? Surely, God, you could use somebody else. Let me tell you what that sounds like nowadays. In Hebrews chapter, in Exodus chapter 3, it sounds like, God, you can find somebody else. Nowadays, it sounds like this. Anybody want to testify? And then that dialogue that happens in your brain right now. Let's try something out. Anybody feel like testifying right now? I'm serious. Anybody want to testify? What dialogue's going on in your mind right now? Some of you are thinking, okay, Jonah, hurry, please. Come on, Jonah. Step up. Please, Jonah. Already? Come on. Testify. Or you start thinking about that other person who's testified before, and you sit there, and you analyze this, and you have this conversation and this inner dialogue with yourself that God's going to use somebody else. Listen, you have compared yourself to Jonah, and I'm not trying to put Jonah on the spot here. You've compared yourself to somebody else who's done it before. You go through this process of comparing yourself to everybody else and deciding that you come up short, and that decision that you come up short after comparing yourself to everybody else cripples you, paralysis by analysis, amen. You've analyzed yourself compared to everybody else you think is more holy than you, more sanctified than you, more consecrated than you, and that keeps you there with your arms crossed, paralyzed by the analysis of what God is trying to do. Listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. I sit in a youth group for my entire teenage existence testify, wouldn't say a word, but I had so much of God on the inside of me. I love God so much. I wanted to share it with everybody, but I had a fear of sharing Jesus because I compared myself to the youth pastor. I compared myself to the pastor. I compared myself to saints of old. And after comparing myself to everybody else, I decided I came up short. But one day, I got a hold of the Holy Ghost on the inside of me and he told me that it's not done by my might, it's not done by my power, but it's done by the Spirit of the Lord and I have failed you if I grabbed this microphone and I speak to you out of my own heart, out of my own intellect but I will serve you the greatest justice if I can stand here and say I've got nothing to offer you as a ministry as a person I've got nothing to give you I grew up in abused, broken background I am the most unqualified person to stand here and preach at you but by the grace of God I am what I am and but by the grace of God you can preach but by the grace of God you can testify but by the grace of God you can sing but by the grace of God you can prophesy but by the grace of God you can lay your hands on the sick come now God is saying I will send you hallelujah let's stand tonight we got to move we got to go hallelujah God is saying come now I will send you to ask because I know what I feel in my spirit I'm so sure about this there's no question about it a very large percentage of you and this is listen guys 
When the anointing gets flowing like this on a preacher, they sound mean and aggressive, but they're really not. I'm not trying to sound mean and aggressive right now. Trust me. I don't want to manipulate you at all. But the passion I'm feeling is causing me to speak with fervor. I know what I feel right now. And I'm not judging anyone. So let me qualify this statement before I make it. I was this person when I was your age. So I have nothing to stand on other than to say, don't do what I did. Caleb, I'm going to pick on you for a minute. Hallelujah. Caleb's a man of God. He loves the Lord. He's got a call of God upon his life. But how old were you when you made it right with God? 18. Don't wait till you're 18 years old. Don't wait till you're out of high school. That's your biggest regret as a man of God. We've talked about it. Don't wait. Right now. Right now. Come now. God said, I will send you. I won't. He's going to send Jonah to do Jonah's thing. He's going to send me to do my thing. And Tori did. But God's got something for you to do. And if you don't do it, oh, imagine the souls that will reap eternal damnation because you let fear and paralysis by analysis keep you there from doing what God has called you to do. So I know, because I know the spirit that's on me right now, I know what I feel. A large portion of the group needs to be at this altar tonight. Not kneeling and cowering down at this altar, hoping that you don't get called out, hoping that you can just do your little copacetic lip service to the Lord for a few minutes and stand up and walk back to your seat and scoot out. Listen, I know the devil's got a large majority of this ministry bound with fear. Fear of what if I step up? What if I step out? Let me ask you that question. What if you do? What if you do? And what if God meets you in your faith? What if like, what if like Peter, you step out of that boat and the moment you do, you realize that you can walk on water because it's nothing about you that made you do it in the first place. It was the God that bid you come. That's what Peter said. Lord, if it's really you out there on the waves and out there on that storm, if it's really you, what did he say? Bid me to come. You know what Jesus said? Come. Come on. That's what he said. Come. And I'm not Jesus tonight, but I'm speaking with his authority. Will you step out of the boat tonight? Thanks for listening. If you were blessed or encouraged, go ahead and subscribe to the Impact Podcast and share it with a friend to bless them too. Connect with us on Instagram at impactym. And remember, you can have as much of God as you want.